Hello and welcome to True Crime People and Places, the podcast where we explore the world of true crime from an academic and personal perspective. I'm Linda Sage, a criminal psychologist with over four decades of experience working with some of the most dangerous individuals in the world. This is a fairly new podcast and we are developing the systems and growing our audience. So we appreciate your support and feedback. This podcast may contain discussions of violence, murder, sexual assault and other topics related to true crime. Listener discretion is advised. If you are sensitive to these topics, please be aware that this podcast may be triggering you. If at any time you feel overwhelmed or distressed, please take a break and seek support from a mental health professional or support organisation. Hi, I'm Linda Sage and welcome back. This is True Crime People and Places podcast. And today we're going to have a look at the situation of coercive control. Now, this comes up an awful lot and uh, I do talk about it a lot, especially in the tears and the progression of domestic abuse to domestic homicide or domestic murder, which every term you prefer. But what happens is that this is so insidious and it comes up in so many types of relationships. It's not just in romantic relationships and it's not uh, only female-based, though um, majority of domestic uh, fatalities and also the um, grievances to females is much higher, though I do think an awful lot of males don't like to report it uh, it's bad enough women trying to, trying to get women to report this and to do something about it early on but I think for men it's uh, even more uh, difficult because they tend to keep quiet about this uh, particular situation a lot more than women do so even if I'm speaking on the female side um, I am very well aware that it's not just a female orientated as a victim um, because they can also be perpetrators just as, uh, as well as men can. So uh, there's a little bit of bias there that it's um, a, a woman and girls um, crime. But uh, in all honesty, it covers genders, it covers ages, it covers uh, all creeds. So and cultures as well so it's not just a one fits all it really does vary a lot between all of the different ages and groups and everything else as well so coercive control uh, refers to a pattern of behavior where one person uh, seeks to dominate and control another through various tactics and those are the ones we're going to be looking at today and uh, it could be when you're looking at organized crime these work very much on coercive control right down to the individuals in a relationship so it is a tactic a bullying tactic uh, a controlling tactic that used in many many uh, forms and many uh, areas as well one of the ways and this doesn't start on well it could actually start on the the violence it is also clear that uh, people uh, in a coercive control behavior relationship 
it doesn't always have to be physical violence. It can uh, just as easily be psychological, emotional, and they leave the same sort of bruises, the same scars as physical abuse does. But obviously with physical abuse, people can see it on the outside, whereas when they're internal scars, people can't see that so easily. It then affects how they are in the rest of their life, how they go into other relationships, how they are about their own safety, all sorts of uh, areas that it affects throughout their own life. So on day one, physical violence doesn't usually come into the equation because if you went out with somebody or you met a friend for the first time and they were physically violent, you have the barriers, you have your security, you have your self-esteem to actually think this is not acceptable, I'm not going to be doing this again. But because this is insidious and it is slow, it's similar in respect to grooming when we're talking about sexual exploitations as well, because they start slowly and that can start on the very first date. Being aware of the signs and looking out for them because they don't actually um, start with, with big things. They will push the barriers to see what your reactions are, you know, because if they've got to fight you for the control, usually they they move on because they want somebody who is pliant. They want somebody who will uh, give in to them. And this on a, a time scale, they will put time in to making sure that they are in control of this relationship. So it might start out by seeming that they're actually very caring. They're protective. You know, they're, they're, they're doing these things because they care about you, because they want to look after you. And in fact, what it is, it's diving in and removing control, uh, removing support systems, removing all the things that we usually take for granted in our life that we have, but they are huge manipulators that can then turn these round and we will take sides and it's their side. And then on top of it, we take responsibility for ourselves saying that, you know, we're at fault, whereas the only thing we're doing is being manipulated. And many people don't see this, even for years and years later into their relationship. They're so far in that they don't actually see what has been going on. Isolation is one of the ways that the abuser attempts to uh, isolate people from uh, friends, family, other support systems. It makes them a victim depend solely on the abuser for emotion, social needs. You know, there's a very uh, easy way that they start uh, coming between uh, friends. They start coming between family, especially if you are living away somewhere else. You know, one of their first things when they start talking to you, we'll be finding out if you know, you're living in an area where you have a lot of family around you, or if you're living away from home, um, maybe away working or something like this. So it makes it easier for them to actually isolate you when you've got less support systems around you.
monitoring and surveillance. Now, I have written a quite a bit about um, stalking, and this actually comes within this because the monitoring and surveillance, it can be physical, as, as in the stalking, but it can also be in the electronical sense. It could be that they're uh, looking at putting tags on your, your phone, so these, uh, you know, SAP, uh, snap maps and things like this. So they're actually following you. Um, People have even had the cases where they've had trackers put on their cars and all sorts of things like this. You know, they will also be looking at the activities that you're doing, including phone calls, your texts, your emails, uh, social media. And they're often using technology to track all these sorts of things, get involved. You know, we've had people that have even started up bogus uh, accounts in different names and gone on and monitored what the, the person is doing. So it's really insidious. It takes time. They are planners. They don't do this just out of spec. It takes them time because they want to be solely in charge. They want the dependency of the victim on them. Threats and intimidation are also part, and again, it's not always physical. We're not always talking about axe murderers and things like this. The abuse usually starts quite low key. It can be explicit and implicit as well to install fear of the victim, and then they gain more compliance. This can be threats of physical harm, harming loved ones, or threatening to ruin the victim's uh, reputation. So it, it starts off with smaller things, but then it would also rise up and get stronger. And very often, at the early part of the relationship, most people say that they had a gut feeling or they sent something wasn't right. Well, if you've got those feelings, then you really need to be listening to them because hindsight, every hindsight, in, in every case, people have said, oh yes, I can, I can see that there was a development there or there was progression there. So looking back is great, but it doesn't heal all the hurt and the pain and the heartache that people have been through. Whereas, Doing this in beforehand can save all that, but it's having the self-belief, it's having the, the self-confidence to say, actually, that's not acceptable. I'm not having that. I'm going to walk away because they don't make that easy either. But if you're in the earlier parts of the relationship, it's much easier to do it than when you're in an emotionally involved hook, line and seeker, because then it really is, especially if there's children involved and things like this. This is why it goes on for so long for so many people. But the threats and intimidation, as I say, they don't have to be physical. They often progress to physical. Sometimes, yeah, you know, when they start, they're very remorseful about it and oh, it's never going to happen again. If it's happened once, it will happen again. You know, they, they do not stop at just being once. And economic control is another way, um, even to the point of getting people to stop working. Because if you are earning your own money and that coming in, they have less control. Also, you have a life outside of where they're actually controlling it, or they will be coming into where you're working. They will keep popping in, or they will try to get involved in what you're doing there. So either way, you will find that things start happening that 
start off feeling quite nice or they're really interested or they're coming to meet me from work but actually they're all controlling mechanisms so looking at them in a different light rather than just accepting on on face value sometimes it's hard because it means that sometimes you have to be skeptical but honestly it's far better being skeptical than it is down the line and you're involved with somebody that is hugely offensive hugely violent that will try and take over uh, the whole control of your life as well so having control over your finances so that means that they can withhold money they can control uh, account accounts at the uh, bank account post office accounts anything like this so it's a way of them it's about the power so it prevents a, a victim often from working and if they if you're not working you've got no financial independence so it's a way again of isolating and keeping the person in their control emotional manipulation is something that they are amazingly good at and they take a long time to do this it's not something as I sort of said early on the grooming stages uh it's a bit like the sexual exploitation but they really enjoy getting the power um demeaning the other person and when you uh, the person actually looks as if they get smaller because they are being so manipulated that their personality their life is actually sort of feels like it's being drained out of them so the emotional manipulation leaves huge amounts of scars and they have loads of tactics to manipulate the victim's emotions their self-esteem and break down their self-worth and one of the things they do is they do listen. They listen, especially at the beginning part of the relationships, and they glean information. But they are very good at keeping this information and using it at a later date. So, as I say, when they're asking all the questions and you think, oh, they're really interested in me, they want to know, they're doing this for a reason. Their, their methods are already there. And you know, the constant criticism or the way that they can uh, give you a compliment, but with a criticism at the back of it as well. So the belittling, the humiliation, gaslighting to make the victim doubt their own perceptions and reality. So that's a really important way. You know, you get to the stage where it's my fault if I hadn't said this or if I hadn't done that or oh, perhaps he didn't really say that. Yes, they probably did. Uh, so if you're thinking it, then believing it and believing yourself and doing something about it is really, really important. They like to micromanage and have strict rules. Your abuser establishes strict rules and regulations that the victim must follow, which is controlling in every aspect of their life. They can include uh, dictating their appearance, daily routines and activities. So you know, about what people wear, what's acceptable, where they can go, who they can see and how long they can be out. You know, we've had people um, say that they've actually been timed about where they go and do the shopping. And if they have any delays, then when they come home, it's really horrendous. So if this starts off, you know that it is going to develop further. It's not something that happens once and it, it's not going to happen again. They are developing into taking total control over the way that you're living, the way you're managing. And especially if um, 
you have say if you have children in this uh, context as well then it makes it really hard because the threats will uh, in incorporate the children as, as well so being the adult it means that you really may need to make um, a decision and the protection for that for yourself as well as for them because this is the way that children are already learning that this type of environment or this type of relationship is a normal relationship and it's not a healthy relationship it's a toxic relationship so in that uh, way we really need to be looking at making sure that the children are growing up knowing what is a healthy relationship so this cycle doesn't keep being repeated in all the generations to come Sexual coercion is another area that we hear an awful lot about. So the, the abuser uses sexual coercion and manipulation to control the victim's sexual choices and behaviours, often, often disregarding their consent and boundaries. We hear an awful lot about uh, people having other people brought into the relationship um, to the actual point of like pimping people out. So it's it does progress, not all of it in that but it often comes to activities and behaviors that normally you don't feel comfortable or that they are demanding that uh, you uh, participate in when really you are not giving them your permission and uh, so that needs uh, a stipulation of boundaries as well but it's very hard when they are controlling other areas of life it's just the next step that they will be looking at bringing this. Threats of violence, as I say, this doesn't normally start on day one. This is a progression towards um, more uh, bigger or worse things that they are very clearly able to to, to do. And um, the abuser makes explicit or implicit uh, threats to physical violence, creating an atmosphere of fear and intimidation. We get an awful lot of people talk about living, walking on eggshells, not sure uh, for the trigger points. If they do this one day, it's fine. If they do the same thing the next day, they go off on the, uh, the deep end. So that nervousness, this, this anxiety about living in this sort of atmosphere it's also it's, it's a killer it, you know to keep this up the the mental torment on this is huge so the, the threats of violence even if um they haven't actually put hands on then but the emotional and psychological violence is there because living with anxiety and fear is absolutely draining and it's really really hard work we can get on as far as denial of basic needs, where the abuser withholds basic necessities such as food, clothing, medical care, as a means of exerting control over the victim. Uh, this happens uh, more um, when the, there's big developments within the uh, uh, partnership, but uh, we hear several people talk about, you know, they can prefer food for them, but they're not allowed to that, or they're not allowed to eat together, or they've got to have what's left over after the meal. Again, it's all about control. It's it's nothing to do with love. It's nothing to do with uh, being in a relationship. It is about control and domination. 
And this is what they are really interested in. It's not about anybody's well-being or um, that perhaps if I did things in a different way or if I hadn't done X, Y or Z, they wouldn't have reacted. It, it, it is not the victim's priority. It, it's down to the controller. They are doing this on purpose and they are doing it because they want to. So it's really hard for somebody that when they've been in a relationship, they still want to look at the good times. Because when it started off, the relationship probably was quite nice and uh, they were caring and they were kind. But you can't live in the past in a relationship. It's about changing that. And if the relationship is not making you happy, then it's one perhaps that it shouldn't be in. Gaslighting is where the abuse is constantly denies or distorts reality. So making the victim doubt their memory, their perception and sanity. They may make the victim question their own experience and manipulate the truth to maintain control. They are incredibly adept liars. And what they often do is they lie quite close to the truth so that if something comes up or they get found out they just say oh no I didn't say that you got that wrong or you didn't hear that correctly so it's really important that if this starts to happen in a pattern it needs questioning you need to really be thinking about you know can somebody can I keep making these control oh I must have got it wrong oh I didn't really uh understand properly yeah yes you probably did so, but in a time like this it's one of the things that they will manipulate for you to always be in the wrong they will always want to be in the right and in control so it's very important to know that coercive control can manifest in various ways in many ways and they might not all necessarily involve all of these indicators, but they are predominant indicators. If you are someone who knows experience um, coercive control, it's crucial to seek help from a professional and a trusted support network. Also, it is really important to report it. Domestic abuse, stalking are all part and parcel of coercive control. So if these are not reported, then funding, also support, uh, policing, everything like that, cannot. they go on numbers. So unless with the, the numbers are there to support the need, we all know that need is there, but lots of people, when you aren't reporting it, then it's impossible to be able to demonstrate that the need for the numbers is, is actually there. So it's... It, it, it's a wheel that if we don't report it, they don't get the funding because they haven't got the numbers. And if there is the, the numbers, then more can be done. And in that way, people can be helped more. So not reporting it protects the, the perpetrator. And it also, if you manage to get out of a relationship, because leaving a relationship is a very, very high trigger point for violence so coming out that uh, that sort of relationship you do need support and trying to do it alone is incredibly dangerous and this is where we see an awful lot of um, things that escalate very quickly so giving yourself some support asking for help is not a weakness it's a strength because 
you know, it's it's like being in quicksand or in you know, really thick mud that you just feel like you're sinking all the time. So getting yourself out of it, you need some help. You need a little bit of a, a pull up to, to do that. There are people around. There are lots of uh, there's charities. And I, I, I hear from an awful lot of people that sometimes they go to report things and they get dismissed. All of the entities are not perfect, but don't be put off. If you are in a situation that you know is wrong and in your gut, you will know it's wrong and your head, your heart, you, you have to tell this. So if that's the case, then you know, speak to somebody else, get somebody around you, get help, and then hopefully you can uh, move out of this sort of uh, situation and move on to actually feeling happier healthier and more in control of your own life which is really really important it's a topic that is huge and i could be talking about this one for uh, hours and hours but it's one of the things that it does have to come down to personal choice when you hit that point where I can't be living like this anymore or uh, I'm too frightened of this or I need to be away, then there is a trigger point that for you, you need to do something. So hopefully that awareness and understanding and knowledge that before you actually get to the point where you're so submerged, it's so hard to get out that you can make a choice to do something beforehand. So we are here. You can always contact us and we're quite happy to send information on or forward information for you. So looking at that, don't struggle alone. Please get in touch with somebody, talk to people, and then hopefully you will be able to get uh, a better life because we only get one. And at the end of the day, you know, what we make of it is really important. So for now, I want you to take care of yourself, be kind to yourself, and I will be back with you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to True Crime People and Places. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, please let us know. See you next time.